Welcome to 45 Forward, the beginning of the rest of your life. Each week, host Ron Roel and his guests discuss topics of interest to many listeners in their 40s and beyond, including retirement, caring for aging parents, health, lifestyle, and more. It's time to think ahead to the next half of your life, and we'll help you plan it with ease. Now, here is Ron Roel. Welcome, everyone, to another edition of 45 Forward, where our mission is to help you, our listeners from Los Angeles to Long Island, make the second half of life even better than the first. April is National Poetry Month, launched more than 25 years ago by the Academy of the American Poets to recognize poetry's integral role in our culture. Over the years, it's become the largest literary celebration in the world. And in today's episode, we talk to an unusual poet who came to his craft later in life and through the most unimaginable of experiences. Hank Bjorklund, a former professional football player for the New York Jets, became a business lawyer in New York City after retiring from football, then an educator and coach. Then, on one otherwise ordinary day, Hank found himself suddenly hospitalized due to dysautonomia, a severe disruption of his automatic nervous system, possibly caused by the repetitive head hits he received during years of tackle football. An idyllic, healthy life in retirement with his wife was unalterably changed. In his newly published book, Head Hits I Remember, Hank recounts his daily struggles to cope with his baffling, life-altering illness and how he eventually turned to poetry as a way of connecting with his thoughts and feelings and dealing with the profound realities of life previously unseen. He'll recite a selection of poems from his book, some of which he's turned into songs and performed with musicians who heard his poems and decided to put his words to music. Hank will talk about how poetry and music have helped him heal and brought meaning back into his life, and hopefully will inspire others seeking the strength to persevere through difficult challenges. So now let's meet our guest, Hank Bjorklund. Hank, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much, Ron. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank yeah. you for inviting me. Well, it's a pleasure for me too, Hank. And uh, uh, this is going to be a very interesting show. And, and as I mentioned in my intro, um, uh, and we'll let our listeners know how to get a copy of your book, but you'll be reading selections from your book, some passages and some poems, because it's very affecting and it really tells your story. So I'm looking forward to that. And um and and it is you know it is national poetry month um and and poetry has had an influence in your life in ways that you didn't expect early on but before we get to the the aspect of poetry we'll talk a little bit about your earlier life experiences with football which we'll return to at the end but um what was it like i mean to tell us about you know growing up with football what it meant to you um, you know, both as, you know, as a nine-year-old and then as he developed as a young man and as a professional? Well, I'll, I'll start at the beginning. And I think that uh, I'll begin by reading a passage from my book. I was nine years old, as you said, and I had registered late for Levittown Midget Football League. They called it Levittown Limfold. I'd registered late, so the coach had already decided on positions for his players. He needed a center, however, and after sizing me up, he decided I was his man. Now, I knew nothing about uh, the position except that the center hiked the ball. In fact, I knew very little about any position in organized tackle football. I remember the very first play in my very first game. I hiked the ball to the quarterback, ran past the charging defensive players to an open spot on the field, and screamed for the ball. 
After the quarterback was tackled for a loss and he returned to the huddle, I told him that I was wide open and asked him why he hadn't thrown me the ball. He looked at me as if I'd lost my mind and said, I can't throw you the ball, dummy. You're a center. I'm sure my coaches had explained that to me before. But the excitement of the game, I guess, I, I, I just forgot. Eventually, I learned the position and became an excellent center. My real talent, however, was as the center linebacker on the defensive side of the ball. I was a demon who mastered one simple rule. Stop the kid with the ball. At the end of the season, the league held an award ceremony. I remember sitting quietly next to my father when I felt a thud under the bottom of my chair. I turned around to see two kids I did not know laughing at me. I felt the kick again and again. I told them to stop, but that just seemed to, to encourage them. Then my dad turned around, and as he did, we heard my name announced over the microphone. I was the winner of the award for the greatest improvement and aptitude. I was stunned and thrilled. I went up to accept my trophy, and when I returned, those kids were no longer laughing, and they didn't dare kick my chair again. That was the greatest moment in my first nine years of life. <laughs> That's great. I was, I was a shy and sensitive kid who lacked self-confidence. And I was struggling in school at that point in my life. Playing football helped me discover my extraordinary athletic ability. And through it, I gained self-confidence, sense of achievement, and respect from my peers. And my athletic as my athletic prowess blossomed, so did my self-esteem. I performed better in the classroom and fiercely confronted bullying directed at me and at others. And I have my father and Levittown Pop Warner football to thank for that. That's what football did for me as a young as a youngster. And I'll yeah. be eternally grateful for that. Yeah. Yeah, it, it really it is important to recognize that. And later we'll talk about, you know, some of the unintended consequences that we've discovered about football and the aspects of violence. But it it does a lot to to for young men. Uh, I had a similar kind of experience as a, a kind of a, a shy um, younger brother um, and um, uh, playing tackle football with my older brother a couple years older in the backyard or in the neighbor's yards as you and i talked about in a previous conversation you know and as kids you just played you know unsupervised you know you, you you chose up teams um and um i remember you know i was fast and i was playing with older kids and it really built my confidence and uh in general, I, I was I was not the football player you were. I I played for a little while, and I, I was too small. <laughs> but I, it gave me a lot of courage, a lot of confidence in sports in general. And so, yeah, I think I think we need to recognize that you know that yes, and we'll talk about you know much more about the consequences of of the hits. But um, you know, and and uh, I'm glad you read that passage. You know, people 
people, once they pick up the book and can read your poem, you know, stop the kid with the ball. Uh, and also there were just other poems I, I enjoyed about um, or, or talking about uh, some passages just about, you know, the sense of what it, you know, of playing the sport. One of them I liked a lot was like, you were a mutter. <laughs> you like playing in the mud. And I think oh, that yeah. to me was sort of symbolic of life. <laughs> well, I, I, I really did. I, I was what they call a mutter. And uh, I can read uh, a passage. That, yeah, just read a quick passage about playing yeah, in the mud. Um, yeah. I was a mutter, <laughs> meaning I loved to play when the field became mud luscious. <laughs> Flow seemed to come more easily in the mud. Things slowed down on the field and in my mind. Football can seem so fast and chaotic. Churning in mud made things intimate and fun. Mud made it seem more like a kid's game than a competition with so much at stake. I always played well in the mud and rain. For reasons I can't explain, I always felt more freedom to fail. Consequently, I seldom failed when rain and mud soaked me to the bone. <laughs> when wow. I was a freshman, we played the Yale freshmen. I know that's your alma mater, right. Ron. And we played them in New Haven. And in those days, freshmen couldn't uh, play on the varsity. They were consigned to the freshman team. And on game day, the downpour was torrential. The field was riddled with puddles. My father was one of only a handful of spectators. We won big. I romped around the field like a happy boar, crossing the goal line multiple times, although I, I don't remember how many. The mud made the game especially joyful for me. Of course, winning big uh, also may have had something to do with that. Uh, then there was a, a scrimmage against the University of Rhode Island that the rain came down in buckets. The field was like a rice paddy. I frolicked like a baby in a puddle. I remember, too, how I saw things in a kind of slow motion. I was moving fast, but everyone else was moving at a turtle's pace, making it easy for me to see holes open to daylight and to dodge defenders. I do not think we even kept score, but as a true mutter, I never had more fun playing in a football game. Mm. There was something about mud that and rain that just, I don't know, made it special for me. Yeah, well, that, that's a very nice perspective because, to be honest, uh, I, I was, when I watched people playing in the mud, I'm like, oh, my God, how can they do that, you know? And, and uh, so it's it's a nice twist to, to you know, to hear that. Um, and let me just say for the uh, benefit of our audience, so Hank, yes, went to Princeton, and we were actually, I was at, at Yale at the same time. Um, and I will tell you that I do remember you, Hank, <laughs> playing um, uh, in the Yale-Princeton games. Uh, and I specifically thought about, you know, <laughs> your poem, Stop That Kid With The Ball, because <laughs> you were pretty good back. Well, I, I, can, I can read that poem if you'd like. Sure, go ahead and read that. That's a, yeah, Stop The Kid With The Ball. Um, let's see. It's page 20, I think, on my book, yeah. Stop the kid with ball. I did. Better than the best. Like my bedroom walls stopped the runaway engine of my toy train. 
nine years old, legs of spindly sinew, one fearsome fellow, no wary warrior me, tiger tough, sinfully swift. Then they made me <laughs> the kid with the ball, and no single tackler could take me down. Fully focused on the field, with reckless abandon, ability and desire melded, self-esteem blossomed. Me, a kind-hearted, too-sensitive boy, I found refuge as hero of the Pop Warner gridiron. Only I knew one day I would be a pro. Hmm. Great. So now let's uh, fast forward. You had a very successful early career. Now you, you did uh, uh, intentionally decide to retire from, from football and, and go into a, a career of law, a business law. Um, and, and things, you know, like a lot of us progress forward and then suddenly one day things change, you know, quite unexpectedly and, you know, just I'm totally unexpectedly. So just tell us a little bit about that experience and, and then, you know, we'll move forward with, you know, how you dealt with it. Um, because, you know, uh, as you mentioned before, you know, desautonomia is not something that's widely understood. Um, so it wasn't like, oh, I've got this, and now, now I deal with it. Deal with what? You know, so, so tell us about that. Well, I, I hadn't been feeling well for for a while, mm -hmm. and over the years, I've had I had some very mysterious kinds of episodes, but my life changed forever. It was April eighteenth. 2016. Mm. I hadn't been feeling well, as I said, and I scheduled an appointment with a cardiologist because I thought it might be my heart. And uh, typical me, wanting to conven convince myself that all was well, I decided to go to the gym before the appointment and do uh, a weightlifting workout. I started lifting weights again. And I was on my last exercise, uh, latissimus pull-downs, and I 150 pounds, and I was going to do 10 reps, and I thought, I, uh, let me push it to 15. And on the 15th one, I don't think I made it all the way down, and the bar went flying up. I felt a profound shudder. It's very difficult to describe um, how I felt at that moment, but I thought I might die. I didn't feel any pain in my heart, but uh, I could barely walk. I don't ha know how I made it to the front desk, but I did, then collapsed on the floor, and he called an ambulance, and uh, they took me to the hospital, and from that day to this, my life has not been the same. And no one's really been able to tell me exactly what's wrong. We uh, suspected uh, a lot of things, tried a lot of things. Victoria and I, uh, my wife Victoria and I, saw many, many doctors. Um, I went to the Center for Dysautonomia, which is a fancy word for 
conditions of the autonomic nervous system, mm -hmm. some very serious. Uh, they told me at the time, well, Hank, we recognize the symptoms you have, but you have no form of dysautonomia that we've ever seen. So we think that it's some form of atypical CTE, chronic traumatic encephalopathy, from your years as a football player. Mm -hmm. Even though I was not experiencing uh, the typical signs of CTE, like significant cognitive decline, like aberrant behavior and mood changes. And their position was, well, we think the spectrum of CTE is much wider than is currently understood. And uh, so that's what I was left with. And that's what spawned uh, me writing about my experience as a football player, because mm -hmm. I wanted to come to terms with that prospect, a, a game that had done so much for me could simultaneously have been the culprit or the thief that stole my health at an age where I was ready to travel the world. Hiking was our, our passion. Um, we've been hiking all over the world, and, and that's what we wanted to continue to do. And it was it was it was more than having the rug ripped out from under you it was like stepping into quicksand and feeling it just swallow you up right yeah um so i think that i was you know reading some of your earlier poems and um um and by the way uh what i liked about it is that i think i read for probably about 20 or 25 poems and each one of them has uh underneath it an explanation from me called about the poem right which i found very helpful you know they're like i'm not hiding anything this is what the poem's about um you know the words are what they are you know they're more compact they're more you know uh, uh action oriented but uh this is um what you what it's about um so i want i'm gonna uh hank i'm gonna just take a quick pause we're gonna take a short break um and we'll come back and i'll probably um probably talk about a poem called vertigo which gives a sense of what you were going through at the time but folks uh, <laughs> when we, we'll be coming right back we'll be talking much more with hank bjorklund uh, so don't go anywhere Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Today, our 40s sit firmly in midlife. We are starting to feel our place and have many productive years ahead. But now is the best time to plan for our future life. Listen for 45 Forward with host Ron Roel. From retirement to health and technology to caring for our parents, no topic is off the table. We don't have a roadmap to our actual future, but we can start to plan more effectively. Tune into 45 Forward, Mondays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. 
Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Planning for college? Tune in to Getting In, a college coach conversation for tips, techniques, and insider perspectives. Hosted by Bright Horizons College Coach, a team of former admissions and financial aid officers, the show takes a deep dive on subjects such as choosing the best essay topic, negotiating merit aid, and navigating the common app. Listeners will learn what really goes into college acceptance decisions from the experts who used to make them. New episodes drop Thursdays on the Voice America Variety Channel. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Hank Bjorklund, an ex-professional football player with the New York Jets, a retired business lawyer who turned to poetry and uh, uh, writing and poetry and music um, to deal with the daunting chronic disorder of the autonomic nervous system. And uh, before the break, we were talking about the, that the earlier, you know, confronting of this issue, which was confounding and, and is still confounding in many ways. And um, and there was a poem that I felt uh, was especially affecting for me. It was a poem Hank wrote called Vertigo. And I'd like you to read us read that, Hank. Sure. I'd be happy to. Although I'm not sure I'm happy to, because (laughs) (laughs) uh, a lot of people who read this have commented on it, who have experienced vertigo. Mm. And uh, thankfully, I haven't had a bad case of vertigo in a while. So I hope this doesn't trigger something, but here it goes. Vertigo. The room is turning slowly, faster. I can't stand. I crash to the bed. I look up. The ceiling won't obey laws of motion. The house is firm on its foundation, right? So how can the ceiling tumble like clothes in a dryer? I'm not sure who or what is spinning the room, me? Oh, that ringing in my ears. Or is it buzzing? Hard to tell, but it's louder. Seems to fill my head. Oh, my head feels like a jug full of water. My jug is sloshing, threatening to tip over. Calm. Calm. Stay calm. Concentrate on breathing. Deep breaths in. Deep breaths out. You've handled these bouts before. Oh, no. Not the nausea. Be still. Still. I've got to get to the recliner. I need to sit up. Sit up. Now, make the run. Yeah, (laughs) that's funny. My run is a desperate lunge. But I've landed. Breathe. Always breathe. Close your eyes. No, you're, you're swirling. Open your eyes. 
Yes. Focus on that spot on the wall. Oh, please, stop the spinning. Who? You? Yes, you. Me? My head? Anyone? God? Anything? Wow. Yeah, so... It's vertigo. I, I, I spent 48 hours once in the chair. Uh, I couldn't move. And mm. the doctor said, you've got to get a you've got to go and get a CAT scan because we want to make sure you haven't had a stroke. Mm. And uh, I don't know how my wife and my sister and brother-in-law got me there, but we got there. And fortunately, I hadn't had a stroke. Yeah. And uh, I've been relatively free, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, it's one of those things that really is crippling yeah yeah so we're gonna there there's lots of very um uh, affecting poems i'd like to get to about you know just the real i, I don't know of another word or just a roller coaster of emotions going back and forth from various phases but before we get into that hank i, I did want to talk a little bit about about the poetry itself and the fact that this was something that Frankly, I, I wouldn't expect from an ex-professional football player, but that poetry is something that you had been, you know, had been a little bit part of your fabric growing up. So talk about the poetry and talk about what poetry means for you for, for a little bit. Well, I, you had asked before um, how I, I got started. I had mm -hmm. an interest in poetry when, when I was in high school. It mm -hmm. was a kind of a flashing interest. I loved Robert Frost. I loved uh, Edward Arlington Robinson. Hmm. Um, two poems by him, Miniver Chivi, which I liked because it had a very interesting turn. And uh, I liked the rhyme. I liked Richard Corey. I love Matthew Arnold, especially Dover Beach, mm -hmm. uh, Robert Frost. Um, but it was the rhyming that really, really stuck with me. But I hadn't written, I hadn't even thought of poetry until I woke up one day and I wasn't thinking particularly of writing poetry, but I wrote up, I, I woke up one day with this sense of urgency because mm. I was not doing well at the time. Uh, I was approaching 70 which was an ominous number for me and i was very i felt very ill and i thought i felt my life slipping away and i felt i wanted to make sense of my life i mm -hmm. wanted to make sense of what was happening to me and i wanted to leave something of myself behind and so i just started writing about my life and i also started keeping a journal where I would just empty my feelings, not worried about sentence structure or anything else, just writing about how I felt. And eventually, uh, that kind of morphed into poetry, especially when I began to take time to observe little things, uh, the natural world, studying the flowers in our garden, studying the bees that flourished in our hyssop, paying real attention to the cats that we have, savoring the voice 
of my wife who would call me in the morning and serve me her oatmeal lovingly prepared you know it was uh it was when you, when you face a chronic illness you develop an appreciation at least i did for the beauty of the ordinary and you begin to recognize the the miracles that surround you every day that you take for granted sometimes and yeah. poetry helped me tap into that a little bit better i came to it gradually I, I, initially i had an obsession with rhyming and i thought is this part of uh, what's going on in my brain <laughs> um but uh and eventually i got involved with um, poetry groups and it opened a whole another world for me and i met people that i never would have otherwise encountered but for this chronic condition that had taken me by the throat and uh they've inspired me and i have discovered a silver lining yeah um yeah you you talk about and and your poems are about appreciation of the ordinary one of them that i found um quite interesting and unexpected was called um is called love letter which is um just a, a little homage to your mind which i found it was you know to to use that kind of image of love letter so i'd like you to read that if you'd like uh, if you would yeah uh, Hank, I'd, I'd be happy to yeah it's page 71 Ron, I should say before I read yeah. that um, I include in this book uh, a picture of a brain, a FDG PET scan of my brain mm -hmm. that shows significant lack of glucose uptake and also the impressions. The doctor reads the scan, and based on the scan, he says, Well, these are possibilities. And this letter follows the scan and the impressions and it's uh it's a love letter right i see your image in my mind full firm beautiful snug within the protective shell of my care and love i see you as you should be not as you are now forgive me my dearest love I barely gave you a thought. I took you for granted, assumed your fidelity, abused you at times, even when you cried for me to stop. When I began to lose you, I thought I was dying. My head, my heart became wild without your taming. My breast held a weight that could break me. How could I have been so blind to all you are to me? I see the beauty of stained glass because of you. Hear the sound of wind brushing pines because of you. Smell the scent of talcum powder on a baby because of you. Feel the touch of a warm and gentle hand because of you. You give me breath and love. All that I am, I owe to you. Without you, I do not exist. Do not leave me, my dear friend. 
my love, my life. Come back to me fully. Make my body and soul whole again. I will devote myself to making you what you should be. My glucose-rich, fully functioning brain. Wow. Yes, it's, it is. Yes, appreciation, as you mentioned, for the ordinary things in life, but also things that you just take for granted. Um, uh, later, I'll, uh, there was another film I liked a lot called Beauty of the Ordinary. But uh, one of the things I wanted to also talk about was just, you know, your, uh, your issue, uh, you're struggling with perseverance, which I think you've talked about a lot. And, you know, there are poems that go back and forth, which I think really are, you know, t- tell a lot about how you know, one goes through this. So some of them, like I remember seeing on the consecutive pages, um, first poem is called Let Me Rest. And then the next one right after that is Never Give Up. <laughs> you know, so it's it's hard, you know. So um, um, uh, I, I would like to, you know, there you have a number of poems about giving up and getting up. So um, I'm not sure if that's, but I think this one, Never Give Up, I liked a lot. So if, if you don't mind, I'd like you to read that. That's on page 86. And it's, it's so this is one you wrote when you were at a low point. And I think that afterward, we'll talk a little bit about just the issue of perseverance. Yeah, this, this poem um, means, means a, a lot to me. Uh, this was one of the poems that I would sing to myself as I walked, along with Song Dwai or Power, which we may get to. Mm-hmm. Um, Never give up. And I, I wrote this at a, at, a, at a low point, and I needed to remind myself that giving up is not an option, and that uh, I'm not alone. I surrender. I surrender. My hands are in the air. My white flag is waving. I've laid my weapons there. I've been beaten to my senses, thrown back in my place, retreated from the trenches, turned round in disgrace. I thought I was the one in charge, in control of all I see. I sauntered in the world at large, believing it was me, that it was all illusion. Command was never mine. The world was just confusion, a chimera passing time. But even bowed and broken, I question if I'm right. Shall I take back my surrender and straighten up to fight? Then a shadow in the distance, you come within my sight. I take your hand before me and straighten up the fight. Yeah, uh, and then, you know, there are times, too, when you um, you don't give up and you get up, but there are times when you need to, to rest. Um, so I think I'm going to ask you to read that last poem before we go to another break. That's just the same. Let me rest. Yeah, this is an early poem. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I, 
I very immediately heard this poem as a as a I heard a melody. Mm-hmm. That's another story. Let me rest. Trouble surrounds me. It's dragging me down. Confusion confounds me and whirls me around. I come to you now, hollow inside, with just vacant space where hope should reside. Where else can I go with all signals crossed? Where else can I be when I'm empty and lost? Let me kneel by your side with my head on your knee. Let me rest for a while till my demons flee. They can't stand your touch with your hand on my head because the peace you give me only fills them with dread. Let me rest for a while till my demons flee. Let me rest for a while till your love fills me. Thank you, Hank. I have to say, when you finish reading these poems and I return to my prosaic <laughs> comments, <laughs> it basically shows the difference in the power of uh, your words. Um, so uh, we're going to transition in this last segment uh, coming up um, uh, to just some of, some of your lessons learned and to your observations going forward, and also a bit more about um, how this um, your poem has turned into music. So, um, folks, uh, we have a lot more in our last segment uh, with Hank uh, Bjorklund. So don't go away. Uh, We'll be right back. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're listening to 45 Forward. To reach Ron Roel or his guest on the program, please send an email to ron.roel at gmail.com. That's ron.roel at gmail.com. Now back to 45 Forward. Welcome back, folks. We're talking with Hank Yorklin, next professional football player with the New York Jets and the author of the recently published Head Hits I Remember. So before the break, uh, I was talking with Hank about um, his poems, uh, and we, we sort of talk about how his poems then became songs. Um, and so um, I, I wanted to just ask Hank to read, uh, uh, I believe this this is one of them that actually became a song, right? The, the one about song to a higher power, is that right? Yes, um, let me just locate that. Um, right, page sixty. <laughs> got it. Yeah, this is um, this is perhaps the most important poem I've I've written because mm-hmm. it became my mantra. It was particularly important to me uh, in the beginning, and I, I've been dealing with this, whatever it is, this form of dysautonomia. Mm-hmm. It's my seventh year. The anniversary mm-hmm. was April eighteen. And this poem, Song to a Higher Power, started out just with the first two stanzas as a standalone poem. And I got the idea from a video that we saw on the summit of Mount Washington in New Hampshire uh, that has the highest recorded wind velocity Mm. of 230 miles an hour. Wow. But very severe weather conditions. And, And the video that we saw showed a ranger out in the Arctic Arctic conditions of winter. And he had a thermos full of hot coffee, and you could see the steam swirling up. And he had a cup about 18 inches from the thermos, and he poured the coffee out, and it never reached the cup because it turned to flakes and evaporated. And I thought, wow, if only my anger at that point could evaporate if only my troubles could evaporate like that mm-hmm. coffee right be wonderful <laughs> <laughs> but uh this is what uh the rest of the poem built from that and mm-hmm. this is the first poem that i i heard as a song mm-hmm. and the melody has stayed with the song and i've actually recorded it and sung it with my musical partners means a lot to me i used Mm. to sing it as i walked on our patios with my hiking poles Mm. Uh, song to a higher power lord take my anger let it pour out from the cup it's heated to pass boiling and the steam is swirling up let it hit the cold cold air and turn instantly to flakes. Let it never touch the ground, so no trouble it awakes. Lord, take my hard heart, mold it gently to soft clay. Hold it in your palm, Lord, so it fills with love each day. Never let it harden with resentments or with pains. Keep its life light beating with forgiveness in its veins. Lord, take my fear, give it wings to fly away. Let it land as hope, Lord, to open each new day. Let your angels hover 
and breathe upon my cheek. Keep them here beside me to hold me when I'm weak. Lord, take my doubt, make it dust upon the ground, then cast it to the wind so my faith it can't confound. Never let it pass by the sentries of my heart. Help my faith grow stronger so that all doubt will depart. Lord, take my grief, make it melt like late spring snow, then let the sun shine soft and sweet so summer's light can glow. Wrap me in your arms, Lord, when I feel I can't go on. And if my pain should stagger me, hold me till I'm strong. So let me just, uh, if, for the benefit of our listeners, um, I'll let you know if, if you go to my uh, Roel Resources uh, website, roelresources.com, and click on the 45 forward tab, uh, you can, there's a, the, the top tab is, is, is Hank, uh, Hank's episode. And you can, on, if you go to that page, you can also uh, find a link, a SoundCloud link, and you can hear some of Hank's songs. So that's where you can hear it. Um, and then while I'm on the subject um, uh, of your book, um, uh, I assume people can get your book on Amazon. Is that right, Hank? Is that yes, the they can get it on Amazon. It's, it's an ebook and also um, a paperback. Right. And it's called Head Hits I Remember. Just Head so Hits know. I Remember. Right. My Brain, Dysautonomia, and Football. Right. Right. Uh, so we're coming up to the, in our last segment here, just to, you know, think about what some of the lessons are, you know, that you've learned along the way. Um, uh, part of it is in the last poem you read about, you know, what we talked about in terms of radical acceptance of your life. And, and I, I, in one of our previous conversations, I wanted to mention that you said to me that um, what I found interesting is that you never thought to yourself, uh, why me? You know, that's it was never why. Yeah. That, that's true. I, I've never, I've asked myself, why not me? Mm -hmm. I mean, look, bad things happen to good people mm -hmm. and uh i i spent my life trying to take care of myself i mean you're talking to a guy that grew up in the 60s i never even tried smoking mm -hmm. i never abused alcohol at any stage in my life and the whole idea of using drugs was an anathema to me and I worked out religiously. I really tried to take care of my body, <laughs> although I certainly abused it as a football player. There's no mm -hmm. question about that. But that's no guarantee. You know, I, I don't have cancer, knock on wood. Mm -hmm. I could be in a lot worse shape as I am now that I'm in now. I have improved in many ways. None of the serious neurodegenerative diseases that were offered as possibilities five years ago are, are on the table because you don't you don't get better from those it's it's downhill but i have improved i'm much better functioning now uh was i am i what i was before no 
um, will I ever get there again? Chances are remote, but mm -hmm. I'm thankful to be where I am. And I, I'm grateful for what I have. And I never asked, why me? Why not me? Right. Yeah, you, uh, there was, I'm trying to think, there were, there were a couple other poems that we, we talked about during the break you might want to, might want to read. I mean, the one, as we get toward the end, was about trusting the road or down the road. There was another one. So, there, you know, there's a lot about, um, you know, that in spite of all this, you hope, you know, you trust and hope. Um, you know, it, I, I wrote a poem called Me at My Worst. Mm -hmm. uh, I recommend journal writing for anyone. It's mm -hmm. one of the, the things that I found very, very helpful to me. But even at my worst, I, I always had hope. Mm -hmm. uh, I think a lot of that has to do with my partner in life, mm -hmm. my wife who I've been married to for 51 years. <laughs> but trust the road. I'll read that. Good. Walk down the road through gentle hills that roll like breeze on silk. You'll know it sure when dirt runs dark by daisy fields of milk. On hottest days, the road stays damp no dust to sting your eye, and shade trees stand as awnings there, shielding from sun sky. If darkness falls and moon stays black with stars behind the veil, you'll feel the dirt beneath your feet and walk upon the braille. Trust the road to take you home. It leads to living light and holds you to the darkened dirt in sun or blackest night. And I wrote this really to express my enduring hope, and we talk about hope, that what we know is just a sliver of what is known. That's a hope. Mm -hmm. What is your hope for those reading this in terms of being able to, you know, take these lessons for themselves? I don't think there's ever been anything more satisfying for me. When someone that I don't know, especially, comes up to me and they say, I was really moved or really inspired by your poem or by your song. And I hope that others might be also find inspiration, also might find the will, the perseverance to continue, whatever their journey is, whatever they're dealing with. And certainly as we age, very few of us uh, escape uh, health problems mm -hmm. or loss. I mean, it's inevitable the longer we live. Mm -hmm. And so I'm, I'm hoping that they might find hope. Because if, I, if I'm proud of anything, it's the fact that I have, yes, I've, I've accepted where I am. I've discovered a new normal. I've persevered. And I've reinvented myself.
I'm no longer the guy that works out like an animal. <laughs> People call me an animal. I'm no longer the guy that sprints uphill and hikes forever. But I am the guy who likes writing poetry, who's written a book, who has friends who inspire him and who value what he writes and help him convert that writing to music. Uh, and I'm I'm proud of that. I'm proud that I have been able to recognize the silver lining of what's happened to me and to make the most of it. And I'm I'm hopeful that in some small way I might make it easier, make it help someone else. Right. Yeah, we we're coming to a close. Um I, I hoped that we had I had hoped we would have more time to read one last poem this day. Um uh but we probably uh, I will leave that to our our listeners to pick up your book and read your last poem called This Day. Um, the last the last line is I'm just so grateful to be alive. Absolutely. That absolutely. says it all. Exactly. So listen, I, I just wanted to thank you so much, Hank, for our conversation. Uh, it's unusual and inspiring. And once again, um, you can find out more about Hank by going to my website, clicking on the 45 forward tab. As I said, you can find the SoundCloud link for Hank's poems turned into songs. I, he sings with his friends, musicians, Diane Mansell and Helen uh, Kotsky. Um, and he actually sings some a, a cappella as well. Um, yeah, do. Uh, once again, you can find Hank's book on Amazon. Um, and, uh, uh, and and if people have questions for you, Hank, uh, do you have a contact information you we want you can share? Or uh, sure, my my email address. Yeah, mm -hmm. um, it's Hank B J mm -hmm. eight. Okay, at gmail .com. Okay, great, great. So, folks, you can also tell your friends that they missed my conversation with Hank Bjorkland today. They can listen to it as a podcast on voiceamerica.com, or you can go to my URL resources website, as I mentioned, click on the 45 forward tab. Uh, and with that, I'll be sure to join me next Monday, 12 noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern time, when I'll be talking with Jane Peccione, one of the leaders of a project known as Salsa, successfully aging and living in San Antonio, a truly pining effort to ensure that older adults have access to needed services, information, and support services. So until then, keep moving forward, folks. 45 Forward. Thank you for tuning in to 45 Forward. Please join your host, Ron Roel, for another great show next Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time and 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We wish you a great week.